Strolling down a tree-bordered walk in St. James Park, we sit to talk and stroke tree bark. One click away from this 17th century day, so you and I in the dark. Hey everyone, welcome back no, to no, Solo no, no, Scene. No, 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 you get to read the poem, that means I, have, I introduce the episode. Whoops, sorry, I'm not used to this. Hey everyone, welcome back to Solo Scene. Today is the 10th episode in our internet semester and we're talking about, oh excuse me, Solo Scene the podcast designing a beautiful, sustainable, tactile future. We're talking about what is online shopping in the solo scene? Utopian online shopping? What? And we're also talking about the environmental impacts of the internet, positive, negative, probably mostly negative, but since we are quite idealists on this podcast... We'll talk about the positives, just for the fun of it. That was me trying to do my Alicia impression. I'd been ready for it, that's why I didn't want you to take all the glory. Um, sorry. Hey everyone, welcome back to Solo Scene. <laughs> I feel like I always get to read something that's kind of middling and like vaguely poetic mm-hmm. and then you get to come in and be the voice of reason. So today I'm excited <laughs> that you brought the amateur poetry and I brought the Thank you. hosting. Thank you. Did you get the gist of my poem, what it was about? Um, but you and I sit in the dark trying <laughs> to reimagine the 17th century walk in the park stroking the tree bark. Yeah, lots of rhymes <laughs> yeah. because why not? So the reason that the poem was like that was because I was looking into the origins of malls. We're not going to be talking about modern malls today because that's a bit more architecture and infrastructure conversation. We're talking about online shopping, but it's just the poem was about how far we've come from the original malls, which were just long walkways. They weren't even like shops. They were just, it was just a word for, uh, uh, what do we call them now? Like a boardwalk site type of thing. Promenade the word I'm looking for and (laughs) how far it's come from that to sitting in the dark and just clicking buttons and buying things something to do with cheetos why does it always have to be in the dark I don't think you should you don't online shop in the light you shouldn't anyway (laughs) okay online shopping where did 17th century come from that's when the word originated which word mall Uh, it was shortened from palm mall which was like derived from the greek word of like hitting a ball down one of these corridors, which was something melee. Like, anyway, it <laughs> evolved from hitting a ball down a kind of bowling alley to a promenade to a mall as we know it. Answering the questions nobody asked. <laughs> <laughs> Answering the questions nobody asked since 2020, whenever we started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so do you online shop? Yes. I was going to do like that interview of... But we should do it like, what's the last thing you bought online? That's what okay. I was thinking. Okay. Uh, you probably know better than I do. The last thing I bought online was a pair of shoes. And I was thinking about this. This will be like an interesting kind of survey because it's like, well, why did you do this? Yeah. I did it because I have kind of wide feet. Mm. So it would have been hard to find in person. Yeah. So that's, that's I think, an example of like a specialist product's which the internet helps you find, and yourself? I'm not entirely sure. It's one of two things. It was either the book on the five senses, because that had just come out, and I couldn't find it in person anywhere, or it was the Yay for Earth beeswax, as we call it. It's just a moisturizer, but it's our favorite moisturizer. So why do you have to buy it online? (laughs) Because she's based out of New York, and... I'm not in New York. So there's no local equivalent is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. 
I've looked high and low. I've gone everywhere looking for something similar because it has like four ingredients. So it's like, why can't I just find this? Whereas with the book, you mm-hmm. were just impatient. Yeah. Very impatient. So maybe we covered two of the biggest bases there. Yeah. Impatience and there is no equivalent as good that I can find locally. Mm-hmm. But something that I kind of wanted to talk about this week or, you know, that's that's very central to my opinion of online shopping is that it is this weird self reinforcing cycle Mm. the more people online shop the worse become the brick and mortar stores you know the less they carry the more expensive it gets it seems Mm -hmm. so the more you are driven to shopping online yeah definitely and also the more you shop online like had i never bought this moisturizer online years ago i would have just had to find a local alternative like i wouldn't be able to like i wouldn't know that i like it so much so therefore i wouldn't buy it so there's a whole Whole cycle. Like if you had no wide shoe, wide shoes option, yeah, you would just have to deal with the foot binders. <laughs> foot binders, yeah. <laughs> Do you like that term, brick and mortar? I guess I hate it. <laughs> I don't like when, like, when I was reading about online shopping. Obviously, in the context, people are always comparing it to offline shopping, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I hate when people characterize the real world <laughs> with terminology, comparing it to as if digital life is a is a baseline mm-hmm. you know like i i remember people were trying to make the fleshverse a thing when the metaverse mm-hmm. was coming around it's like well we do do all this in the fleshverse and i'm like you just mean real life yeah <laughs> just call it real life and yeah. i don't think they would like that term because it it intrinsically disparages digital life as not real but it isn't real mm-hmm. so i i think brick and mortar there's something about it's like just call them shops yeah or stores yeah that's what they are I had eight points on online shopping okay. to try and maybe not keep people here for a few days. I'll just go through them. What? I feel like it would take me a long time to get through these. Okay. So anyway, the first one is that online shopping, this is kind of a positive. This is one of my only positives, but we'll start on it. It is very useful for people with physical or mental illnesses or different things that might inhibit them from getting out. Not necessarily just being able to purchase products to help with to help with the illness, but also with like some days you just don't want to leave the house, but at least you can get groceries because traditionally if you were in a bad mental state and couldn't get out, you just would end up not eating or just end up not getting what you need. Accessibility. Yeah, accessibility. So that's one really positive thing when it comes to online shopping, but then there's just immediately the inverse of it and that from personal experience, when you're going through a bad time, or if I imagine if you're chronically depressed or anxious, it becomes quite the enabler. Yeah, of yeah, over shopping and overspending and shopping addiction. We've talked about this before, is like very serious and can ruin families and ruin your life. And especially with online shopping, you can do a lot of financial damage in like 10 minutes. Whereas at least at a store, you have to like pick up the things and like tap your like get your credit card out. So it's almost a little bit harder to do the damage than online where everything's saved. You just need to like put your thumb to the yeah. I mean, sensor. regarding retail therapy, I think a more interesting and rich conversation might be in the more widespread, less dramatic instances. You know, people talk about like functional alcoholics. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of functional consumerists. Yeah, wherein it doesn't cause immediate devastation like what you're talking about. Mm. It's just like, it strings you along for a long time. I think we've all been there. 
Yeah, I think so. My first positive of this is that I was thinking about the kind of things people buy online, specifically really everyday stuff. Like we talked about a couple kind of specialist items, which is a slightly different conversation, but like groceries when people buy them online. And I was thinking about Mm. the the only groceries I've ever really bought online, which are (laughs) big bags of peanuts and oatmeal. Yeah. So neither of those are like specialist items. Both are things that I could go to the grocery store or the supermarket rather and buy. But I was like, is it really that much more a fulfilling experience to go to the supermarket, which for us is a Provigo or a Walmart or something like that, go to the same aisle where I know the oatmeal is, put it in the cart, go to a self-checkout and leave rather than just going to Amazon and doing the same thing? You know what I mean? So what yeah. I'm talking about is that the supermarket experience and maybe just shopping in general is already quite broken, soulless, and uh, divorced, detached from any kind of community yeah. or any kind of even thought. Like it's already an automatic process for a lot of people. Yeah, literally. So I was thinking that in this case, in or in cases like this, there actually are just some benefits to the internet being a straight-up time saver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always had a bit of an aversion to grocery shopping online because especially because we grew up in a rural place where there was not much to do. Grocery, grocery shopping was like a thing to do and oh, yeah. still kind of is. Like it's pretty much the only get out of the, house. the dates that we go on. Yeah, we, we take grocery trips together. Very romantic. And I've tried to do a bit of grocery shopping online, especially I subscribe to this local food box. And I've found over the last few weeks, you get to customize it it's not just like whatever they give you they give you because that usually leads to waste i find but i've found it a kind of nice experience like i had a little clothing swap the other night and so i went onto my food box for the week and changed the items to be all the things i needed for the party and then i didn't have to go out and i also was supporting all local foods so that's like double bonus kind of an example of what we talk about in the solar scene internet fostering local connections fostering geographic connections because if the internet if that option weren't available to you you probably just wouldn't have done it you would just go to the supermarket right yeah yeah and i would have just got all the brands that were there yeah i wasn't even thinking about vegetables and fruit because that is something that it's like you go to a market you can size it up Mm. feel the tomatoes and all that kind of nonsense yeah but that's why i said oats and peanuts it's like it's in a bag from quaker so it's gonna be the same it's gonna be the same whether it's delivered or whether i go to kind of solace supermarket yeah i think that's a good positive of buying the things that are going to be oatmeal is oatmeal this is what i think sometimes on the solo scene we speak a little bit too broadly or too generally so it's like there are cases where online shopping it just saves time of something that wouldn't be an enriching experience otherwise yeah i mean there's also a place for boredom and for for some menial activities but it's Mm -hmm. like we shouldn't just automatically say online shopping bad I think you're right. Uh, it's kind of a different story, I feel like, when it's delivered versus pickup, but that's kind of just... Let's talk about delivery versus pickup. What What do you think is wrong with that? I find... Too lazy? For myself, delivery always feels a bit lazy because there's always the option for like $5 less to pick it up at a pickup point or whatever. And I'm always like, but then that's like, I might as well have gone to the store to buy it. Hmm. Sometimes the pickup points are even farther than the store would have been. Um, but I still usually choose that option just to try and get myself out of the house. But if you're like always on the run, then yeah, delivery is is fine, especially for groceries. I imagine as a parent, it would just be 
so much easier than dragging your kids to the grocery store because that's just like a infamously challenging thing to do with kids. But also doing that activity with kids is a good opportunity to teach them lessons and stuff. So speaking ideally about in the solar scene, because we've done a fair bit of hedging so far, I think we can say with a fair amount of accuracy that online shopping will slash should be to replace experiences that aren't really experiences at all, mm-hmm. that are in a way automatic, that don't grow you physically, socially, whatever, intellectually. I mean, I know it's silly to be talking about shopping in that regard. At the same time, I don't think it's silly. I know it's a really kind of maybe unfashionable, capitalistic thing to say that like markets and the way that we interact with each other through materials is a key part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. But it really is, or it, or it should be, because we don't really have that, that many ways of organizing ourselves socially. So it's like through things is one key way. I mean, there's obviously a, a whole litany of issues with this that have come with like consumerism and self-esteem and, and class more generally. But it's like on a really basic level, connecting with people on Sundays at the farmer's market is one of the things that we do as humans, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And which Etsy is really not an adequate replacement for. Because even in the solar scene, not everything will be local. So I think the internet is basically just a good medium for finding those. And as you mentioned before, also accessibility or whatever. Yeah, for sure. It, I do feel like even in the solar scene, the toilet paper isn't necessarily going That's to be local. Yeah. So just like toilet paper, products like this that you're going to always need, just have them refreshed automatically and it's just a little bit easier. And even with certain things like that, they're a bit bulky to carry without a car and in the solar scene there won't be cars so maybe the bulkier things are delivered i don't know way fewer cars way fewer cars so i was thinking with online shopping in the solar scene it'll be just like five percent of what it is now probably in terms of like how people use it because our paradigms will have shifted we'll just look to local shops for clothing for food for everything that we need But I feel like there's still a place for it in terms of exploration and yeah, like there'll still be globalization to an extent of things that you want to order from a different country and maybe you're ordering them for your small business or for something or other. But even then, I think there's three key things with the internet now, online shopping, that need to be eradicated in the solo scene. So they'll just be like the opposite of this. So the first one is that right now when you online shop is very, very personalized so it's like you go on the website and all of the ads are specifically to your taste. Yeah. And in the solar scene, there just won't be any of that. It'll, you'll go on the website. The catalog will be for, for alpaca mittens or whatever. And you're just looking at them as they are for your local farm. You're like, hey, these are the alpaca mitten options hmm. before you go to buy them or you can order them from the farm. Yeah, I didn't even think about ads. That's an awful thing. So there will be none of those in the solar scene. <laughs> the next is that I find on the internet right now, everything is very pressure, limited time, there's 20% off, you have to use it in the next two hours or else it's going to go away. Yeah. Similar to ads, but a little bit different. And I feel like this will also translate to the in-person shopping experience because I've been listening to a podcast a bit about the history of kind of snake oil salesmen, people who are like trying to sell you stuff that you don't need. So in the solo scene, this will be in both in-person and any online shopping, this will be not allowed like pressuring people and kind of prying on weaknesses i find 
websites tend to do that. So perhaps, I mean, I've been getting ads for Father's Day for like weeks and Father's Day isn't for another few weeks. And it's like traditionally I would just like make a card or whatever. But because my inbox is full of these emails, it's like making me think, should I do something bigger? Like, should I do something more? What kind of ads? Like for barbecues? I don't know. It's all through Etsy. It's like, get data, sports cup. That's I don't what know. I'm wondering. Like, what is <laughs> exactly is a Father's Day specific gift? <laughs> yeah. more A better answer would have been Mother's Day, which was a few weeks ago. And it was all like, yeah, jewelry and stuff. Every Buy him single a steak. Brand. Yeah, get him a lobster. But it's just like you don't. You would normally not even think to buy something online for Father's Day. For all my lifetime, we would just go get him a lobster, get him a card, whatever. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny because it's like this pressure to make you think you need to do more. And yeah, none of that in the solo scene. So people shouldn't be buying as much. You said about 95% less online because it's not nice. And as you say, we're sitting in the dark, quaking away. Not very tactile. Yeah, exactly. But I do still think... Like, from my experience, even living in a small town sometimes, it was a good way to discover new things. And then you could go to these places. Like, the alpaca farm is such a good example, but there was also a lavender farm near me that I always knew about but, like, couldn't find information on. Then eventually I found them online and was able to, like, go to the store. So I feel like there's still a place for it, but just not advertising. Like, you have to seek it out, kind of how I'm doing with these examples. Replacing the Sears catalog a little bit. I like that idea of the internet being used more as a finding tool, a catalog tool rather than an accessing tool. Mm-hmm. We talked about that also when we were discussing streaming and mm-hmm. art and media and how the internet maybe devalues these things. It's like it's such a uh, invaluable tool for finding new music, new film, whatever. But maybe that step of your discoveries becoming materialized is, is quite an important thing that we're not properly seeing through these days a few points i had in defense of the the brick and mortar store actually quite relevant because immediately before this podcast one of our (laughs) cables uh stopped working to record so we had to make a quick six minute jaunt yeah down to this very very clustered like (laughs) cartoony uh camera store shout out to that guy because thankfully he he saved us (laughs) he he gave us a cable but it's like that's something that you will remember. Yeah. And I, I know, like, again, this sounds like, oh, it's too capitalistic and you shouldn't be so materialistic and be thinking about products like that. But it's like, they're not always just products. It's a tool. But yeah. it's like, we've gone to a cool place, a guy who's obviously quite into cameras and technology and things like this, cables. And we were like pointing out like, oh, look at that cool retro film camera. It's just like a cool thing. Yeah. It's like a, a thing. It's I'll, an experience. I'll give you another example. Yeah. Yesterday, I said, I'm going for a mooch. Want to come? And you said, no. But anyway, (laughs) I went for a mooch by myself because we've lived in this apartment for like eight months. And I've discovered, like, I've only explored like one street around us. The mooch. Let's discuss the mooch. Mooch. So I went for a mooch on, because I knew there were these two streets that I wanted to. Mooch. Mooch. (laughs) No one knows what mooch means, probably. No, I think To kind of like go into the stores and like have. Peruse, window shop. With no real intention that no. to buy. Like I didn't buy anything. <laughs> I took everybody's cards and was like, thanks. But anyway, because <laughs> I went for a mooch and stumbled across, there was written on the sidewalk, uh, what's what was it in English? Like a workshop, artist workshop this way. And I was like, oh, cool. And I wouldn't have known this existed had I not gone on the mooch. Mm. And so I went in and it was called the Analog Art Fair or something like that. And I was like, whoa analog 
beautiful sustainable tactile so cool and I went through and there was like vintage homewares there was crafts soaps all this stuff and just talked to the people and looked at their things and was like inspired by them for right. our own home or for how to use things you already have that was cool and then I also found like five new thrift stores all of which are very overpriced but it was still like oh yeah this is where all these things are going because I've been asking myself the thrift stores around here all seem over overpicked or whatever but I don't see a lot of these kind of upscale consignment stores consignment stores that I'm like well where is it going like maybe people are just really savvy but then I found out this is where it's going so it's a discovery tool it 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 leads you out and about just imagine if you would say like how long are we out for two hours maybe yeah if you had been like okay it's it's a sunny sunday i'm going to mooch online yeah it's like that's just so tragic it's such a sad thing <laughs> and i mean another example in montreal is the expo zine like there's mm-hmm. these fairs for different art things obviously we are for some reason barred from the expo zine <laughs> <laughs> But it's like scrolling Etsy for an hour is not the same thing remotely or scrolling Big Cartel or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. It's not the same thing. It sucks. Yeah. Thrift thrift stores is something else I wanted to mention because I know people kind of look with irony about how that's so trendy for young kids. But it's like when you really think about it, it's because they're just searching for any scrap of authenticity. And the thrift store is like the exact opposite of going to the 40% off Banana Republic new summer sale ad that was sent into your inbox and like scrolling through their website mm-hmm. it's loaded with pop-ups and just the same generic clothes yeah i just find it so enriching to go to thrift stores it's actually very... real you can touch things yeah young people we never get the privilege of touching things yeah that's so nice i will quickly share one more anecdote about my mooch because i forgot to tell you about this and i feel like the listeners might also appreciate it i found this shirt and it was it was a blast from the past there were these christian bookstores growing up that would have like trendy shirts, like the exact ripoff of the shirt. But then like one of the words would be changed to Jesus. <laughs> so it was like Return of the King, like the whole Lord of the Rings logo, Return of the King. And then in really small print, it said like Jesus coming back or something like right. that. It was just so funny to me because I was like, I would have forgot these shirts existed it was also just, I don't know, it was just really so funny So why didn't you buy it? Because I don't, I don't need it. This I don't is know. like an off-topic rant, but I also don't like <laughs> when shirts like that um, or like kids' shirts or stuff are in, like adults wear them or sell them or buy them ironically. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's like, irony is not cool. Don't oh, make yeah. irony your personality, that kind of thing. No, I don't think that's great. But also something else that happened in the mooch is there was a downpour for about <laughs> three minutes and you were caught in it, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's something... Obviously, it kind of sucked, but at least it sucked. At least it did something. <laughs> going online and shopping, you will never remember a moment. It's never going to be like, whoa, look at this. Yeah. It's never going to be a memory. You won't believe what happened when I was searching online yesterday. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing. It's no, no texture. You're right. There was the downpour and everyone like ran for cover into this one store. And then I was like, it was right. kind of funny. We're all just soaked there's, in there together. A, there's a brief moment <laughs> piercing through the, uh, the anonymity and the atomization of modernity in which we are all huddling under the same awning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, wasn't, exactly. I don't know. But also on, along those lines, in stores, and this sounds maybe a little bit out there, but there is a, if shallow, if fleeting feeling of camaraderie with the fellow shoppers. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're, this sounds so bougie, but it's like, if you're both in a Patagonia, 
you know, you both probably rock climb or something like that. Yeah. So there is a, because we never get to organize ourselves like this these days. And I know in the solo scene, we will actually be rock climbing and like there'll be more clubs and more togetherness and more community. But maybe for the time being, it's like, go to uh, Toys R Us. Yeah. Or go to the video game store, line Mm -hmm. up for the new Zelda game. And you're going to, this doesn't sound very solo scene. So like half to us, we're like, just go and shop a lot. But it's true. Because of the way things are at the moment, there's not a ton of places to go. In the Zola scene, there'll be way more, but stores will still be a place to meet people, I think. I have a couple more issues. One is that right now it's so easy to pay. Even a year ago, I would never online shop because I hated having to get my card out of my wallet and then punch in the info. But now everything's saved. On your phone, you just have to put in your thumbprint and you can use Apple Pay. Online, you just have to hit PayPal and it's like, I remember you, I'll buy this. And I found that is super, super bad for spending. And I think in the solo scene, there almost won't be an option to pay online. Like you might always have to do kind of the old fashioned way of calling in (laughs) or something like that. Do you remember when online shopping first came a thing, you'd have to call in and tell them your your details? No. This was like very, very early kind of TV infomercial. When were you online shopping in very, very early? I wasn't. Okay. Like, I remember my... <laughs> I was going to say. It's an eight-year-old Alicia it. calling in. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw this slap chop on the infomercial. <laughs> I was wondering. But that's what you had to do. And then I remember kind of early on, the internet used to be like, you can get things like $30 cheaper on the internet, but you had to go through these kind of convoluted routes to pay. But now there's just no... It's just so straightforward. Thanks to PayPal. And <laughs> it's also now going to be a segue because online shopping is bad for the environment. Woo, who would have thought? For everything shipped online, there's 2.14 pieces of garbage associated with it in packaging, and only 14% of that is recycled, and then the rest ends up in landfills. So it's like, even though it's just plastic and cardboard, people usually just chuck it out because they have so much of it and don't have the time do the recycling and shipping and returns account for 37% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is what? a very high percentage because it's like, it's a part of the transport. Oh, you mean the big chunk, the big ships, the literal shipping and the planes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. And the final thing is that there's kind of a myth that online shopping is good for small businesses. And like we are saying it's good for discovery, which it is. But it's also like the actual mechanisms of the internet today are not good for small businesses because you have to pay for the to host the website. You have to pay the fees that go with the online transactions. You have yeah. to pay the shipping. I would never think that the internet is good for small businesses. I just think it's kind of a commonly held myth to like support online shopping. And it's not actually good. But in the solo scene, I think we could find ways to like, yeah, through the discovery mechanism, make it a bit better. I'd rather we go back to lemonade stands. I got... Sold lemonade yesterday by a kid. Okay. Fun fact. Because I was at a garage sale and he was like, want some lemonade? And it was funny because I knew he was English, but then he was speaking to me in French. Did he make it? It's funny. I don't know if he made it. Reseller. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, in, it was in a big jug, so it probably was made. <laughs> but it was, it was funny. And it was weirdly good. So shout out to that kid and his entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> the young Gary Vee. There's going to be a story like that that he, he'll be talking about you in 20 years. Yeah, he like ran back into his parents because he was also a garage sale. He's like, a guy wants to buy the bike. 
I told him 50 bucks. <laughs> and they were like, go heckle with him. Like, go whatever. Haggle. Was, haggle, yeah. And he's like, no, 50 bucks is good because then I can pay off the debt that I have to you about this shirt that I bought from the... It was just so <laughs> funny. Like, it was... And I was like, I just started laughing and his dad started laughing. And I was like, you have quite the entrepreneur there. <laughs> he was like, yeah. So this kid was really, yeah, stringing along all of Mile End the other day. <laughs> the environment. I had a poem which can maybe serve as a bit of a, of a bridge between these two questions. Not to upstage your poem at all, even though it will. As I mentioned, on a, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I've been reading through the selected poems of John Keats. And he has this very long poem called Lamia or Lamia, which is kind of an epic um, mythological thing. This is just an excerpt from it that I thought was kind of relevant. But the more I think about it now, the less relevant it, it perhaps is to this week, but maybe for next week. So the excerpt says, Do not all charms fly at the mere touch of cold philosophy. There was an awful rainbow once in heaven. We know her woof, her texture. She is given in the dull catalogue of common things. Philosophy will clip an angel's wings, conquer all mysteries by rule and line, empty the haunted air and gnomed mine, unweave a rainbow as it erewhile made, the tender person Lamia melt into a shade. And that term, unweave a rainbow, has kind of become a bit of a stand-in for the general idea of science stripping away the wonder from things, poetic things such as a rainbow. I think Edgar Allan Poe referenced it in a poem, and also Richard Dawkins wrote a book called Unweaving the Rainbow, I think, except he was more defending science in this instance. Richard Dawkins, who we already mentioned in the semester, for coining the term meme. And so I was just wondering, do you think that computers, computerization, the digital uh, frontier, has taken the wonder out of life a little bit, Alicia? And I guess to connect it to this week's episode, with regards to online shopping, I feel sometimes because it's so easy and it feels always so vital, um, I do too much research, like looking at different products and comparing them and spending like an hour doing that. But really it's like, this is not what life is for. I'm unweaving the rainbow a bit rather than just going to a store, being surprised at what you find. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a little surprise online. Yeah, I think you're bang on with that. The internet in many ways makes life less wonderful Yeah. in that you can always find the answers. You can always find the best deal. And I mean, it's hard because there's a very economic and class connotation with this. And it's like, obviously, there's a huge privilege in being able to just like buy whatever at the store, but it has a lot of wonder to it. And I think if online wasn't an option, the stores would adapt. That's what I'm talking about, because... It seems like such a radical vision for things to go back to being stores and brick and mortar, quote unquote. Yeah. But it's only been 15 years that the shift has happened so radically mm -hmm. in the one direction. So that's what, that's what makes it sad that you can't just go to a local place and find some beeswax. Go to the alchemist. Not the alchemist. Go to the apothecary. Walk down the street and see someone strumming a lute. Maybe that already happens, but yeah. if you weren't walking down the street, you wouldn't see that. Medieval stuff. Yeah. So I think things would adapt. And yeah, it's easy to think, well, we need the internet for all these things and to make things accessible. But I do feel like things would adapt without it. And I do think it removes the wonder because of all the research and because of all of the, the steps you have to kind of go through to make a decision. And 
yeah, like if you're just walking in the store and you're like, hmm, I wonder if this is good for me. You have to either just like ask the pharmacist yeah. or like you have to just make people. a guess or whatever. And it makes it a little more cool. And you have to, I've definitely Googled while in stores, what does this taste like before buying it? Hmm. And it's like, that's kind of silly. Just buy it. And if you don't like it, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I also have a so scene recommends. Okay. Soocene recommends falling in love, the most beautiful, sustainable, tactile experience there is. <laughs> this is the, what the romance poets do to me. Do you have a Soocene recommends for this week? It's hard to top falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to win points. I don't. What have I done this week? I had my clothing swap. That was kind of fun. Soocene Post- recommends swapping clothes with strangers. They weren't strangers, <laughs> my friends, but host a clothing swap or a mending workshop. It's kind of fun. I had mending options. We didn't get to mending. We just ended up eating a lot of bread. Host a rager. (laughs) Host something is my recommendation. Even if it's just a couple of people, it is a very enriching experience because you get to kind of choreograph an event in a way that I feel like we don't get to do very often because everything's online. Even if it's just hosting a podcast. (laughs) My days. Meme of the week. Meme of the week is... Stephen Crowder's Change My Mind campus sign. Is he holding it up? He's oh, he's sitting with it at the table. And then it says, "Okay, <laughs> male privilege is a myth. Change my mind. I got it mixed up with that one guy who's like holding up a sign. Guy with signed. Guy with sign, okay. Yeah, that's his name. So in 2018, <laughs> Stephen Crowder, who I don't know who he is, but apparently he's a, a podcaster, a conservative podcaster. Yeah. So he was on a Christian campus with this sign. And then it was very, very quickly memed. Because it just had a lot of room for jokes. He was sitting at the table drinking a cup of coffee. And so the signs quickly became like... The thing with this meme, the reason I want to talk about it, is because usually memes kind of devolve. Like there's the original thing, which is like he's trying to start a conversation, even if it's not a conversation I agree with, but it's like he wants something to come of it, some kind of social commentary to come out of it. And then usually it kind of, it would be memed into like... Pineapple on pizza. Changed my mind. Something like that, you mean? Yeah. But then this one went directly to just like, there's nothing in this cup. Changed my mind. Just like really, really, really bottom of the barrel jokes quickly. And this is, I feel like, how memes have maybe changed as well and how we've changed a bit. Because it would have traditionally, I don't know why I'm thinking, okay, climate change is real. Changed my mind. Or... Something like that, like something just a similar sentiment and that is like a common myth or a commonly held conception changed my mind. But this went straight to just like jokes that kids would make. Do you think that's because it's Crowder and nobody likes him? I think. could be a part of it. There could be that. It's one of my least favorite types of memes, which is just opinion, but put on an image. It's like, why is that? It's not, it's not really funny. It's not, it's just like you're saying something. Like the the other one is the Lisa Simpson like pointing at a chalkboard, mm-hmm. and it will just say an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Or exactly. the old guy would sign, and it's like nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So I think that that would, that would be my response. Yeah. So there's also I learned a term this week, which this meme reminded <coughs> me of. It's just kind of all disparate thoughts, but that's the meme of the week. I learned the term forgotbuster. Do you know what that is? No. So a forgotbuster is a film. It was kind of it's not a film. It's surrounding films. 
that are really, really popular top 25 of the year, but then just instantly forgotten. Oh, And like you would never watch it again at home. Sure. Um, Most of them are truly forgotten, but one of the most infamous ones is Avatar and that everybody went to the theater to see it, but nobody could tell you what it was about. Nobody's rewatched it since because it was just like, yeah, I had the experience and Mm -hmm. then I forgot it. So that's a forgot buster. And... This meme just like reminded me of it because I hadn't really thought about it, but it was everywhere for a while and now we all forgot it. Yeah. So I thought perhaps we could talk about Forgot Busters next week and a bit about just like look into them and talk about how the internet yeah. maybe has changed them. Quick cultural turnover, that kind of thing. Yeah. For sure. Netflix also de- makes these deliberately, I think. Mm-hmm. Your extractions with Chris Hemsworth, your gray mans with... Um, Ryan Gosling's just like the deliberately most kind of generic and easy because those are often kind of similar uh, traits, easy to watch films. We could also talk about it with music, with uh, with clothes, with trends, with mm-hmm. people, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't really like that term, forgot best. There's oh, something yeah. about it that's, that's kind of like, I don't know, it makes me cringe a bit. But yeah, <laughs> we can we can talk about that. Okay. So some notes on the environmental impacts of the internet. I know that you went into most of the negatives today, so I thought I would get a bit solacini and just focus on the positives. Like, what can the internet do? Similar to how we started off with the positives of online shopping. Solacine use cases. So the first one, quite obvious, reducing paper use. Yeah. We kind of dismissed the idea of the paperless classroom a few weeks ago, but this is similar to online shopping in that for a classroom a place that's all about academic endeavor, learning, reading, and writing, paper is quite necessary. But there are some cases where it it does just make sense to have a digital archive, especially for things that won't really be accessed, like mm-hmm. don't, don't need to take up paper or space. I'm thinking about our old university had like a whole floor of the library full of um, books chronicling old, like from the 70s and 80s, weather like old meteorological Mm -hmm. data and it's like well this is kind of quirky to walk through but really (laughs) this could all be online and we'd save paper and we'd save space i mean i like stacks and i do like paper archives but i think those can almost all just be just be made digital if they're not going to be really used and touched yeah when things are going to go through a lot of different versions as well like i feel like if you're working on a even if it's just a poster kind of having digital iterations is a little bit easier or book editing and Uh stuff basically if if you're going to be reading it though i think it should most often be paper and i think this is where people go wrong like our university again taking it back to that time so many of the courses it's like oh the readings are all online i'll send them to you but nobody wants to read on a laptop screen nobody likes that that's not nice that's really funny it reminds me of i had this one class (laughs) and yeah they'd send it out online but they were always available in the library and before class there's always me and one other person that would basically compete to get there. It was unspoken. It wasn't like explicit, but like whoever got there earlier would end up getting them and being able to read them in the paper copy. And it was funny because it's probably the only other person I've ever seen doing this of like going and seeking out Mm -hmm. the paper copy, but it means at least one other person is interested in this and it's beneficial. Should have plugged the podcast. Yeah, I should have. I actually did plug the podcast in that class. It was very small, but (laughs) It was, yeah, like always a competition, kind of funny. Second benefit, reducing transportation. Mm-hmm. And obviously we are all for going to places, 
doing things, experiencing, mooching IRL. But there are some things where it's like meetings. Most of those don't need to happen. You don't need to go to the work or to the coffee store to meet. Most of them are unnecessary and could be serviced with, let's say, an email or even nothing. So I think like in terms of transportation costs, yeah, that's something. Or even, you know, like, oh, my mother lives in Japan. I live in Cuba. I'm going to FaceTime her instead of shipping myself every other week. Yeah, yeah, I see. And the third thing, and I think the most important of the potential environmental benefits of the internet is as an educational tool. And there's really like... There's a variety of examples you can mention here. The most kind of direct and obvious would be something like, oh, I have this item. How can I discard of it? So how, how do I recycle this? You look it up because there aren't really many other avenues for you to find out how to do that. What happens when it's recycled? You know, like mm-hmm. what about the energy use involved in that? So you can learn specifically about environmental things, but it also educates people more generally And I think that just increases efficiency and efficiency is kind of code for reducing emissions. So that's also good. You could also think about it like in in industry terms, like um, in terms of solar panels, probably the internet has greatly escalated the efficiency of these things because we can share information so much better and the products become better. Yeah, that was like, that's what the internet was made for. Yeah, which means better for the environment. And also along these lines, there is, I'll call it education, but it's more like a a creative sharing, which is like sharing visions, which is, we think it's always been quite an important aspect of environmental stewardship. You have something like solar scene or something like solar punk artwork or degrowth period as like a more academic movement. Without the internet, it would be quite hard for us to engage with the ideas of degrowth. So yeah. that's helpful. Along the lines of education and also tying it back to online shopping, the final point I had was one that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week about razors and how the kind of democratizing effect of the internet on information and consumer consciousness, consumer mm-hmm. knowledge has greatly shifted that industry. It's like it can just reduce our consumption so much because we realize we don't need these kind of things. You're no longer just subject to advertisements and what's at Walmart. The internet kind of allows you to think for yourself, kind of. In the Zoocene, it will. Let's put it like that. And I want to stress, like, I, I don't like when people talk about the internet as an environmental tool because it replaces real-life experiences. I don't like that. People say that about work from home. It's like, well, this is more sustainable because we don't have to commute and all that kind of things. It's like there's a place for the internet's um, supplementing real life experience, but I don't like that term replace. Yeah, I don't think it's great when it replaces it because it isolates us and just makes us feel bad inside. (laughs) Also, devil's advocate, what about appliances that can regulate their own energy use? That's fine. I don't really care. So internet enabled. Yeah. Like Even though we talked about having no internet connected fridges. Well, I just don't think you should be able to like see inside your fridge when you're out of your house. Yeah. Like that's just kind of. But if it was smart, <laughs> so that it could it could temper its own cooling to to save energy. Yeah, like that's not a bad thing. Also, I had this idea in the solar scene something called the eco algorithm. What does it do? 
let people figure that out for themselves. Yeah, I'll let the, the listeners decide. Maybe it just drives people off the internet progressively. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. Or it like, yeah, it drives you into activism. Like all your ads are targeted and there's all sad animals. And yeah. you're like, oh, I guess I need to go it's save still the crows. Lame, though, yeah. <laughs> it's just a food for thought, a seed to plant. The internet, I wanted to talk about like the negative environmental impacts because I saw this journalist who went to a climate protest and was like interviewing people and saying, hey, did you know that your internet use has a large environmental impact? And a huge percentage of the people they interviewed said, no, I didn't know this. And then it was also not funny, sad that he was like, well, are you willing to like change how you use the internet to help the planet? And a lot of people just said, no, like, no, I use it a lot. Like I use it for everything. Yeah. And it's like, obviously like things are very, like you have to use it for school. You have to use it for all these things, but it's, I think not super commonly known how much it impacts the climate. So I wanted to bring a bit of light to that. And then perhaps even if you already know it, it might be just a reminder or something to remind your pals about that it's kind of an easy way to reduce your footprint. So every second there's 40,000 Google searches and every one of those uses electricity because you're sending signal to the Google data center which then has to like process the search and provide you with the results. And so that takes electricity, like the actual transactions online, like all of these clicks externally cause some kind of a, a circuit to have to be completed. And usually the only electricity use we think of and environmental impact is like our device plugged into the wall. And it was like, well, yeah, this is using electricity. But all of the internet things that are happening, searches are causing an environmental impact. And also the centers where all of this data is stored are very, very, very hot. So they have a ton of AC cooling, which is really bad for the environment. And because our grids are pretty dirty for the most part, it's just burning coal to like use the internet. And we don't really think of that because it's so downstream. And then also the devices themselves have a large environmental impact because for the circuits and for the batteries, it uses a lot of rare earth metals. Lithium and gold are kind of the most commonly known ones, but there's other ones. Um, indium is what's used for conducting electricity through touchscreens mm. because it conducts electricity from your skin into the circuits. And it's this clear metal. So like super rare. And because the items are so what's the word, inaccessible to fix. Yeah. It means we have to throw them out and we don't get to repair them. But then it also means that they're very hard to recycle because they're kind of planned to be very, everything's very fused together to make them small and compact and unfixable. So then it's really hard to recycle. So not much of these metals get recycled. And so it's just like we have to keep mining them and they're mined in really bad conditions. So it's socially unsustainable. But they're also just mined in really bad environmental conditions because the demand is so high. Finally, 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 if the IT sector was a country, what number do you think would rank in terms of energy use? 29. Third. So there's China, US, and then IT. Man. So all of the computers and stuff would be the third most polluting country if it was a country. So just think about that. I mean, like, it's not all our responsibility to reduce our footprints, but, like, if you can maybe stream a couple less things, like, that's an easy way to reduce it, and then maybe you can replace that with a 
ride on the bus instead of having to walk somewhere. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Bye, the scene. <laughs>